At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We live in a world full of information, literally at our fingertips. Among all the claims of truth in the world, it can be hard to separate fact from fiction. This is often the case when it comes to the Christian faith. Do we understand the truth of what we believe, and can we articulate it to others? In The Essentials, Why Truth Matters, we'll use the affirmations of the Apostles' Creed as a guide to teaching us the core doctrines of the Christian faith. Join us each week as we affirm the foundational truths of Christianity so we can stand on the bedrock of God's truth and share that good news with the world. Appreciate you very much. Well, it's good to see each of you here. There's some dear friends of mine. There's some enemies that came today. So, so good. Just kidding now. I don't think I have any enemies left. I don't know. <laughs> it's so good. It's good to have my clan here, all my kids, except my daughter, who's helping a cousin give birth. Um, Caitlin's a labor coach, so she's doing the thing she loves this morning. Man, what an awesome thing to do on Easter. Give birth to a little baby? That's awesome. So good. So good. Well, we've been looking at, as a church, at an ancient statement called the Apostles' Creed. It's a statement that was written in the early, in the, in the second century. So soon, really, only a, uh, a generation, really, after Jesus rose from the dead. Um, and it was an oral tradition right back then. There wasn't the printing press and the freedom to read and things like we have today. Um, and so a lot of the truths were passed on orally. And so one of the things the early believers did, they put together a very summarized statement of what does the message of Jesus entail? If you were to put it all in one simple thing that we could say as a family, that we could say as a church, that would help us remember what are the core things we believe. And they made this statement called the Apostles' Creed. And that's what we've been looking at over these past few weeks, because we believe that truth matters. We believe that makes a difference between life and death. And so we want to be a church that really holds to the things that are true to the Word of God, that Scripture is our authority. And we've been going phrase by phrase, timing it so that on Easter Sunday, we could get to the phrase that simply says this, and on the third day, he rose again. It's a beautiful statement that gives hope to each one of us. It's kind of hard to believe, because some things that you hear are. It's like... When I went into Family Dollar a year ago and tried to fill up balloons for our big festivities, and they said, sorry, we're out of helium. What? Okay. And then you read in the news, we're running out of helium. Seriously? Can, can we do that? What do you do with our balloons? <laughs> You're reading the news. Two and a half years later, that the coronavirus started in a laboratory, or from animals in the marketplace. I'm not sure. What do you believe? Some things are hard to believe. Did Neil Armstrong really walk on the moon? I've seen pictures. I've heard it. But some people think that's really hard to believe. 
And so when, when you hear some things that are claimed to be true, but you find them hard to believe, you kind of maybe think of, well, what's the alternatives out there? And here we are this morning saying that 2,000 years ago, Jesus of Nazareth was crucified. He endured what the Romans had perfected. And that's a long, slow, shameful, tortuous death, execution. And they placed Jesus' dead body in a tomb. And we're claiming today that Jesus rose never to die again. And some would say, really? Is that really true? In fact, this is what happened in the early church. One of the apostles wrote a letter to a church in Corinth. The church is really gatherings of believers. And they started popping up all over the Roman Empire because the followers of Jesus believed that he did. And so they went out and spread the word far and wide that Jesus had indeed been raised from the dead. And so some people believe that. So they gathered together and they learned what that all means so these churches were there, and then people came into the church and heard those things, and then began to teach, because they were really the smart ones, began to teach, well, he didn't really rise, really rise. You know, he didn't, well, maybe some would say he didn't really die. He just kind of fainted, and then kind of revived in the coolness of the tomb, and then somehow got out, and sometime, somehow showed himself. Some would say, well, the people stole his body. Uh, that's why they claimed he rose again. So these different stories pop up, but... Paul wrote a letter to the church of Corinth who was getting some of those messages to, to let them know that, no, in fact, this is true. In fact, Christ has risen from the dead. And then he, and he went on to say that everything we believe as, as followers of Jesus hinged on that. And actually, everything that's, that's been taught with this, uh, with this Hebrew God, that Jesus was born a Jew, uh, into, this, into this claim of God's choosing a nation to himself, that through this nation he would send his Messiah. Paul says, if you look at the teachings, you would see that from the beginning, it was taught that this Messiah would be killed. He would be sacrificed for our sins, and he would rise again. All scripture points to that, so I'm telling you, it is true. And then he says, and, that, and it makes an incredible impact on our life. He kind of takes a turn after saying, no, seriously, he did. He makes this turn to say, and it makes all the difference for us today. He didn't just claim it's a historical fact. He said this historical fact hits us profoundly today. Because sometimes when you hear about something significant that happened, whether you believe it or not, you have to ask the question, but really, what does it matter? For instance... Some of you know that I cheer for the Michigan Wolverines, right? Some of you, that offends you. I know people in my family sometimes don't want me to mention that, but I do cheer for them. So a couple of years ago when they beat Ohio State, right, that was big, wasn't it? That was great. But what was even better was like 12 months later, they beat him again. I mean, manhandled him. I mean, that was big. It made me feel really good. It's so much so that come Christmas time, just a few weeks after that, I went to Dunham's and I bought a sweatshirt for my one son, my favorite son, who also cheers for the Wolverines. 
I bought him a sweatshirt, not just any sweatshirt, not just any Wolverine sweatshirt. I bought him the one that said, back to back champions, right? It was like twice as expensive, but that was worth it because this was big. To be back-to-back champions you means you had to be Ohio State back-to-back. So that's big. I mean, we bought a t-shirt, I mean a sweatshirt for it. And we talk about it. I mean, I brought it up today, so see, it's big, but really when you stop and think about it, how does that affect my life? Eh, not so much. It doesn't change my day-to-day. It just gives me reason to kind of sing, you know, the, the victors or to, when we get whooped by state, to say, yeah, but we were Ohio State. Yeah, or something like that, but really beyond feeling good, maybe giving you a song to sing, it doesn't do, do a whole lot much more. And, and maybe, maybe some of you here today saying, well, resurrection and stuff, yeah, I believe that, that's good. Might buy a t-shirt for it, but I might get together and sing a song once in a while, but really more than that, does it really affect me? And I'm here together with you today to say, oh man, it changes everything. And I'm not just saying because it's something I came up with. I'm saying it because I find that truth in the Holy Scriptures, in this in this word breathed out by God that man has been trying to discredit and try to get rid of for generations and they just can't because it seems to be that enduring truth. And the Apostle Paul, as he wrote to the Corinthian church, he says, not only is it fact, this changes everything every day. So let me share with you some things that the Apostle Paul said. Three ways we see that Jesus' victory, what it means to us today. It makes all the difference in the world. So I'd like to look at this letter from Paul called 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We'll put some verses on the screen. If you have a device, feel free to open it to 1 Corinthians 15. And the first thing Paul mentions in these few verses we'll look at today is that Jesus' victory means that all believers will be made alive. All believers in Jesus will also be made alive like he was raised from the dead. Here's what it says in verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of all those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, By a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so as in Christ shall all be made alive. Paul uses this crazy term called first fruits. He says when Christ was raised from the dead, that was the first fruits. It's a farming term. It refers to the first part of the harvest, right? Those first apples you pick. Or the first ears of corn that you take off the stalks. When, when you've just been waiting, is it ready yet? Is it ready yet? Is it ready? Yes, I think this one's ready. Let's take a couple of those. The rest aren't quite ready, but these are ready, so we're going to take them. Paul says that's what Jesus' resurrection is, the first of a big harvest. Now, the Jewish audience would have been very familiar with this. They had a festival called the Feast of the First Fruits. Early in spring, they would gather their families together, and they would have this big festival called the first fruits, and they would take the first part of the harvest 
and then give it back to God as an expression of thanks, one. But two, and maybe most important, it was an expression of confidence in the rest of the harvest. Right, So they took this first part of the harvest, instead of eating that to say, oh, I've been waiting all year for this, they took the first of the harvest and said, God, we're going to give this to you. We know that there's potential for a big hailstorm that would take out the rest of the harvest or a big strong frost that would kill everything else that's on the trees. This might be all we have, but because we believe you are taking care of us, we're going to give you to the, the first and trust you for the rest. Well, Paul says that really that, that festival that had been celebrated generation after generation was actually pointing to Jesus, who was the first of the harvest of the resurrection. Paul says, as Jesus was raised, if you wonder what the resurrection has to do with you, well, if you believe it, it has everything to do with you. Because if Jesus was raised, you're going to be raised too. That's, that's why when we gather as believers at the, at the graveside of a loved one who has believed in Jesus, that the minister says something like, we commit this body into the ground until the coming of the Lord. This idea of like a seed, we're placing it in the, in the ground because we believe something's going to happen. I know, it's hard to believe. But truly, the Word of God teaches, it gives evidence that the resurrection of Jesus, that what's going to happen to all those that believe in Jesus is one day, they will be raised also. And how it happens and all of that, I don't know. All I know is that if you can believe in the resurrection of Jesus, that ain't nothing to think that he will do that for all believers in Christ. And it, 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 it gives us such hope because we, we feel the other effect of the one. Remember, here, as, as I read, you heard me read that um, Paul's words, that as in Adam all died, so as in Christ all will be made alive. right? Or before that, it says, for by a man came death, so also by a man has come the resurrection. Paul, with, with this argument, goes back to say, have you noticed everybody here dies? You notice that? It's one thing you can probably guarantee is that none of us are going to live forever. And, and that all came from one guy. That's Adam, Adam and Eve in the garden when everything was perfect. And, and God said to Adam, out of his grace and love, he said, I've given you everything, but this tree is not for you because if you eat of this, you'll die. And Adam said, oh, you give me everything, but you didn't give me this tree. Why don't you give me this tree? I want to decide what's right. So he, took, he rebelled and took of the tree and at that moment, sin entered the world and death entered. That's when death began. By that one person, everyone that came from Adam then experiences this crazy, terrible thing called death. Paul says, just like that happened from one, life is coming from one. From Jesus, those that believe in him will now inherit the resurrection. This is 
for them. And so we, we feel the pain and the heartache of it. But we also feel the longing when someone that we love dies. We feel a longing that, come on, get up. Have you ever felt that? I've, I've, I've had too many funerals in my own life and family. And when it's that person you love so much, you just have this longing of, come on, just get up. Something in our heart says, no, this is right for them to come back to life. The Bible says that God has placed eternity on our hearts. That seems to be that longing that this life is supposed to live forever. There's supposed to be more than just these 72 or 82 or 92 or however many years we're going to live. There's got to be more than that. And Paul says, here's, here's the cool thing about the resurrection. Not only did it happen, it's going to happen again. And if you believe in Jesus, this is your destiny. And then lest some of you are saying, oh, great, so I have to die. And then it's good. Well, Paul goes a little bit further to help you know that actually every day you live, it makes a difference for you. Number two, Jesus' victory means that all enemies will be defeated. Verse 23, but each in his order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. And then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and every power, for he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Paul mentions two stages. He says, first, Christ rose. That's what we celebrate today. That's why you're here. Because we believe the resurrection of Jesus is worth celebrating. Paul mentions that, the first fruit. The second stage he mentions is the resurrection of all those who believe in Jesus. That is yet to come. We're waiting for that. That future day when we believe Jesus will return. Because that's what he promised the whole time he was here. That's what the angel said to those that were watching him go back to the, up to heaven, up back to the Father. The angel said, why do you just stand here gazing to the sky? Don't you know he's coming back? So get busy. Get busy spreading the word because he's coming back. We believe he will. And when he does, Paul says, that's when all those who believe in him will then rise. But then he speaks to those things that are happening between the two. This is when Jesus is destroying every rule and every authority and power. And some of you say, oh yeah, like the Republicans? The rest of you say, oh yeah, like the Democrats? Or the Libertarians or whoever you follow. No, this isn't, this isn't people. Right? Every rule and power and authority is not, not people that's the enemy. It's the spiritual realm of darkness and death and destruction that's trying to wreak havoc in our world. And Jesus is presently alive and well today, defeating every ruler and power and authority that stands up against the Father. And every day that he waits is more defeat that Jesus is winning. We saw some of that defeat just a couple weeks ago at Shelby and 
and Debbie stood before you and they said, before I didn't know Jesus, now I know him. He's opened my eyes and I've placed my faith in him. And they were baptized to demonstrate to you that they are all in for Jesus. That was two more victories that Jesus won as he's waiting to return. And that's happening all over the world. We got a report from Liberia. Some of you know Kim Smith. He came to visit with us uh, here a couple of years ago and give us a little report what God's doing in Liberia. That he and his team serve there and they serve in Sierra Leone and the Ivory Coast and throughout Liberia, reaching the people that have yet to know Jesus, that let to, yet to hear about him. So they're going into unreached places. They ride motorbikes into places, then hike up hills and mountains and go into the rainforest and such places because there's so many people that don't know Jesus yet. And he reported last month there was 432 people that had their eyes open to the truth of Jesus and professed their faith through baptism. That's in one month from one little team of about, what is there, four that's there and then, and then are training other leaders to go, to go into regions. Maybe you know that I, I was in India uh, a couple months ago, and I spent a week with 140 leaders in, in obscurity that, that came from all over this huge nation of India, so many people, and God is exploding through that region, people, the gospel, reaching people, their eyes open, those that, that had no belief in Jesus before. Now something is happening that's causing them to truly believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He's the rescuer. Hundreds of churches are being planted because God's on the move. These are the this is the enemy that Jesus is defeating, the enemy of darkness that has caused people to believe a lie. He's setting them free with truth. And some of you are experiencing even incremental victories in your own life. You gave your life to Jesus, and now you're seeing victories come that you didn't know that could ever happen. What is that? That's Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, defeating more and more rulers and powers and authorities to set you free. That's what he's doing. I talked to Chris Eckstein there in the back. He always gets the back row. I don't know why. I think he thinks I'm going to call on him or something. I would never do that. <laughs> but he told me just a week or two ago of how Jesus got hold of his life and set him free from some strong addictions that some people never believed would ever happen. But he's free today. I... I think of Danny Walker. Some of you have heard his story. Some of you read it on Facebook. Some of you read in a magazine that they did an article on him. And he shared with us here of how the power of Jesus just washed over him as a young man and just changed his life completely. That's the victory of Jesus impacting us today. You've maybe heard from Julie who is deep in grief over her son who is cruelly murdered. Yet the power of Jesus washes over her and frees her from that spirit of anger and hatred and bitterness and sets her free as he comforts her and grants her that spirit that can forgive the worst offender. That's evidence of a Jesus who's alive today defeating the realms of darkness 
And one day, he will present to the Father the defeat of everything that comes against God. Why does he wait so long? Because he wants more victory. He wants more victory. And maybe you're here today because God wants victory in your life. He, he does it freely. I mean, nothing can trump him. There's no power greater than him. It's not like there's these two powers out there. There's a really strong power of darkness, and then there's just a little bit stronger power of Jesus. No, that's not it at all. Nothing can stand against Jesus. And he's proving it over and over and over again. And one day, death itself will be dealt its final blow. The book of Revelation gives us that little picture when it says, And the Father will wipe away every tear from their eye. Death shall be no more. There shall be no more mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he makes everything new. That is what's going to happen. And until then, he brings victory. Moment by moment by moment. We look at the world and we say, yeah, but it's a mess. Yeah, these are great stories you say, but I can tell you a good number of stories too of some real great heartache. I mean, people shooting up our schools. Leaders taking bribes. Storms that annihilate communities. The world is hurting. And sometimes we have the thought, God, why don't you do something? And you know what his response is? I did. I raised my son from the dead to prove to you that all that stuff is a temporary blip on the course of human history. Because one day, I'll send my son and he'll gather all those that believe in him and they will experience finally life without any of that. Here's what it says. Third, Jesus' victory means that all things will be reconciled to God forever. Verse 27 says, For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. Now, when it says all things are put in subjection, it's plain that he's accepted who put all things in subjection under him. In other words, it's saying, it's not that the son now has the father in subjection under him because it was the father that the son is subjective to. So, so the, the healthy order and harmony in the, in the person of God, of father, son, and spirit, all that it remains. But what's out of, out of whack is everything else. And so one day Jesus will take everything that's out of whack, my health, relationships, culture, society, those storms and that violence and that rebellion, he will take all of that and he will make it all right and he will present it to the Father. And from then on, everything, because God is in all, everything is all in all. It says, Then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. In other words, 
everything is whole. Everything is right. Have you, have you noticed? Do you spend enough time in your life where you look around and see that everything's not whole? Have you noticed? It just seems like those gears, there's, there's like a widget missing because it's, or, or, or like there's a tire that's got a bulge on it because I feel like I'm driving down my life and it's like boom, kaboom, kaboom. It just seems like things just keep not being right. And yep, that's right. It's not fully all in all yet. But victory by victory, Jesus is defeating destruction, and one day it'll all be finished, and the son will say, here, Father, it's all done, and everything will be right. Jesus' resurrection shows that one day everything will be whole. One day all those things that plague us here it will all be taken away and it will all be right. And in case you worry that, yeah, but what about the now? I need Jesus now. Oh, yeah, he's there too. And some of you need to hear today. You need to hear the message of Jesus' resurrection that says, yeah, you kind of feel like Saturday, don't you? That death has happened Right, the Good Friday experiences happen, and that's what you see around you. You just see death, and it feels like there's no life. So we want you to remember today the resurrection, because for those that believe in Jesus, out of death comes life, comes the resurrection. Some of you need just to know today that, yeah, it feels so dark, but there's light that's coming because he is the light of the world and one day he will come and make everything light. And he's working. That's the cool thing about a risen Savior that every day he keeps working. That's the cool thing about going to bed at night is that you get tired, he doesn't. And he stays up all night. And he keeps, some of you, he keeps saying to you, would you just go to sleep? You can't do anything. Your mind's just going you're not doing anything about it. You're just thinking, I am. I'm working. The Father and I are always working, bringing defeat to every aspect of darkness that's in the world. So let me do my job. You rest and wait for the resurrection. As Paul said to the church of Corinth, I say to you, in fact, he has risen from the dead. And it's just the first of a whole bunch of resurrection that he's going to accomplish. And that gives us hope today. That allows us to enter, to head towards the finish line. And I don't know when the finish line is. But we know that the finish line is going to be awesome. Have you ever run a race? Have you ever run a, like a 5K or anything like that? I haven't done enough of them. Um, to stay as healthy as I should. But I've done enough to know that once you see the finish line, it's like, oh, I'm not going to die. <laughs> I am going to make it. So let's go. Just a few hundred more yards, and we can cross that finish line. And that's what we do on Easter Sunday. We say to one another, there is a finish line. There is. 
And that finish line is incredible. It's awesome. It's rewarding. And it is legit. So keep running because it is worth it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for all that you've done for us, Lord, to, re- to prove that your son is alive and well, that he's working, that he's spreading his glory and his news of his salvation to the uttermost part of the world. And Lord, I pray that we as people, as we think of these things, that we examine ourselves to see, Lord, are we truly believing this? Or are our lives giving evidence that there, we, we don't even, Lord, we don't even acknowledge that this is possible? So Father, would you penetrate our hearts right now and examine us to see if we truly are people of faith, that people believe in the resurrection of Jesus? I know you're going to do so much more than what we've seen already. And may we be people of faith in that, Lord. Be with us as we reflect on these things. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing in just a moment. But you know that this message of this resurrection, it's not something so simple that you just mentally acknowledge it. A mental ascent doesn't get you very far, right? Like I think it was James that says, even the demons believe that Jesus rose from the dead. So it's not just saying, do you believe it? Do you, mentally, do you affirm it? But do you base your life on it? Faith involves action. Faith in it says, not only do I just mentally assent that it's true, that my life then follows through an evidence that I believe this is true. And I think it would be good for me just to pose that question to each of you today. Have you placed your faith in this Jesus who gave his life on the cross to pay for our sins. Do you believe that the Father raised him from the dead? Do you believe that he lives today defeating the powers of darkness and that he'll return to gather all those that believe in him and allow you to experience life as the Father originally intended? Do you believe and maybe, maybe today is all about not, not just the good ham dinner you've got waiting in the oven or the Easter egg hunt or whatever. Maybe, maybe today in God's plan for you has been this invitation to say, would you right now place your faith in him? Would you, would you acknowledge to the Father in the quietness of your heart, yes, I believe what you've done, what you've given, and I embrace it by faith whether you're young, whether you're a student, a teenager, a parent, a grandparent, young or old, the offer is the same. Salvation comes by faith. Have you placed your faith in Jesus? If you have any questions about that, we'd love to talk to you. Uh, we, we, Bill, who gave announcements, will hang out. I'll be in the lobby. We'd love to meet you at sometime during the week if you'd like to talk further. But here's the cool thing. It's an issue of the heart. So in this moment, you can call on God for your salvation. In this moment right now.
just in the quietness of your heart, just affirming, I do believe, and I'm going to live my life based on it. And he'll accept it. He'll accept you. Well, I think it'd be good for us to kind of challenge one another with a song. If you're somebody that says, I'm just tired, I'm not sure I can go on, listen to the words of this song. If you're somebody that says, there just seems so much darkness around me, I'm not sure if I can believe in this, listen to this song. And if you believe in the core of your heart that God is working and he has more to come, then just sing with all the gusto that you have. Let's stand together and let's respond. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org slash connect to introduce yourself today.